Section 18 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. Chapter 18. My Last Effort to Recover My Family sad tidings of my wife her degradation i am compelled to regard our relation as dissolved forever in view of the failure to hear anything of my wife many of my best friends advised me to get married again if i could find a suitable person they regarded my former wife as dead to me and all had been done that could be but i was not yet satisfied myself to give up I wanted to know certainly what had become of her. So, in the winter of 1845, I resolved to go back to Kentucky, my native state, to see if I could hear anything from my family. And against the advice of all my friends, I went back to Cincinnati, where I took passage on board of a southern steamboat to Madison, in the state of Indiana, which was only ten miles from where William Gatewood lived, who was my former owner. No sooner had I landed in Madison than I learned, on inquiry, and from good authority, that my wife was living in a state of adultery with her master, and had been for the last three years. This message she sent back to Kentucky, to her mother and friends. She also spoke of the time and manner of our separation by Deacon Whitfield, my being taken off by the southern blacklegs, to where she knew not, and that she had finally given me up, the child, she said, was still with her. Whitfield had sold her to this man for the above purposes at a high price, and she was better used than ordinary slaves. This was a death-blow to all my hopes and pleasant plans. While I was in Madison, I hired a white man to go over to Bedford, in Kentucky, where my mother was then living, and bring her over into a free state to see me. I hailed her approach with unspeakable joy. She informed me, too, on inquiring whether my family had ever been heard from, that the report which I had just heard in relation to Melinda was substantially true, for it was the same message that she had sent to her mother and friends. And my mother thought it was no use for me to run any more risks, or to grieve myself any more about her. From that time, I gave her up into the hands of an all-wise providence. As she was then living with another man, I could no longer regard her as my wife. After all the sacrifices, sufferings, and risks which I had run, striving to rescue her from the grasp of slavery, every prospect and hope was cut off. She has ever since been regarded as theoretically and practically dead to me as a wife, for she was living in a state of adultery according to the law of God and man. Poor unfortunate woman! I bring no charge of guilt against her, for I know not all the circumstances connected with the case. It is consistent with slavery, however, to suppose that she became reconciled to it. From the fact of her sending word back to her friends and relatives that she was much better treated than she had ever been before, and that she had also given me up, it is also reasonable to suppose that there might have been some kind of attachment formed by living together in this way for years, 
and it is quite probable that they have other children according to the law of nature which would have a tendency to unite them stronger together in view of all the facts and circumstances connected with this matter i deem further comments and explanations unnecessary on my part finding myself thus isolated in this peculiar unnatural state i resolved in eighteen forty six to spend my days in travelling to advance the anti-slavery cause i spent the summer in michigan but in the subsequent fall i took a trip to new england where i spent the winter and there i found a kind of reception wherever i travelled among the friends of freedom while travelling about in this way among strangers i was sometimes sick with no permanent home or bosom friend to sympathize or take that care of me which an affectionate wife would so i conceived the idea that it would be better for me to change my position provided i should find a suitable person in the month of may eighteen forty seven i attended the anti-slavery anniversary in the city of new york where i had the good fortune to be introduced to the favor of a miss mary e miles of boston a lady whom i had frequently heard very highly spoken of for her activity and devotion to the anti-slavery cause as well as her talents and learning and benevolence in the cause of reforms generally i was very much impressed with the personal appearance of miss miles and was deeply interested in our first interview because i found that her principles and my own were nearly one and the same i soon found by a few visits as well as by letters that she possessed moral principle and frankness of disposition which is often sought for but seldom found these in connection with other amiable qualities soon won my entire confidence and affection but this secret i kept to myself until i was fully satisfied that this feeling was reciprocal that there was indeed a congeniality of principles and feeling which time nor eternity could never change when i offered myself for matrimony we mutually engaged ourselves to each other to marry in one year with this condition viz that if either party should see any reason to change their mind within that time the contract should not be considered binding we kept up a regular correspondence during the time and in june eighteen forty eight we had the happiness to be joined in holy wedlock not in slaveholding style which is a mere farce without the sanction of law or gospel but in accordance with the laws of god and our country my beloved wife is a bosom friend a helpmeet a loving companion in all the social moral and religious relations of life she is to me what a poor slave's wife can never be to her husband while in the condition of a slave for she cannot be true to her husband contrary to the will of her master she can neither be pure nor virtuous contrary to the will of her master she dare not refuse to be reduced to a state of adultery at the will of her master from the fact that the slaveholding law customs and teachings are all against the poor slaves I presume there are no class of people in the United States who so highly appreciate the legality of marriage as those persons who have been held and treated as property. Yes, it is that fugitive who knows from sad experience what it is to have his wife tyrannically snatched from his bosom by a slaveholding professor of religion, and finally reduced to a state of adultery that knows how to appreciate the law that repels such high-handed villainy such as that to which the writer has been exposed 
but thanks be to god i am now free from the hand of the cruel oppressor no more to be plundered of my dearest rights the wife of my bosom and my poor unoffending offspring of melinda i will only add a word in conclusion the relation once subsisting between us to which i clung hoping against hope for years after we were torn asunder not having been sanctioned by any loyal power cannot be cancelled by a legal process voluntarily assumed without law mutually it was by her relinquished years ago without my knowledge as before named during which time i was making every effort to secure her restoration and it was not until after living alone in the world for more than eight years without a companion known in law or morals that i changed my condition end of chapter eighteen recording by james k white chula vista